Jetzt geht Bizei. Platinum Series, Series of Interviews. We're now joined by a man who has been involved in the sports, entertainment and venue management sectors for more than 17 years. He's played 260 Victorian Football League matches and won five premierships with Sandringham. After hopping over the ditch, he's now the big boss at Eden Park, the home of epic sporting events and six massive concerts a year. We're proud to welcome to the Platinum Series, series of interviews, Nick Sautner. Now, Nick, first question, welcome to the show. Why do Aussie rules players have to have big shoulders? What do you need those for? Well, um, it's interesting. The game's evolved greatly. Um, it's probably uh, the fact that there is uh, there's 18,000 square metres on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, It's a big field. You run about half a marathon a week. And um, often you're carrying your teammates, so you've got <laughs> to be able to have big shoulders to carry your teammates, particularly as a full forward. Um, you're the ones that actually set up the game and, and bring in the fans. What about the <laughs> fact that you're running a sleeveless number? I mean, how important is that for running guns? Because I, I noticed that, that rugby players were never that focused on guns. I imagine that you were very I, – I was told that in the, in the Sandringham – in the Sandringham uh, workout zone, that the the saying was always "curls get the girls." <laughs> well, that's. I mean, you've been talking to people clearly. You've done your research. So, I always used to have a philosophy. It was the year off, right? And um, it was about three years in a row. It was the year of the pectoral. Um, it was also <laughs> the year of the triceptual or the biceptual. Um, I can assure you, it was never the year the quadricep or the hamstring. Um, no one, when you're walking down the beach, is looking at someone's legs. Well, that's handy for Jason Hoyt, who was uh, voted New Zealand's sexiest man on the Matt and Jerry show today. He's got a terrible leg. Yeah. Terrible leg. Jeez, you've got a big weekend coming up. This, I mean, every weekend's a pretty big weekend at Eden Park, apart from shoulder seasons. <laughs> but nowadays you're running concerts as well. But a huge weekend this weekend with the Women's Rugby World Cup final, New Zealand playing... England, and I see there were some more tickets that went on sale yesterday, and they sold out in a jiffy. Did. Uh, we added some additional tickets last night. Within minutes, it was sold. We'll have uh, a world record, over 40,000 fans in attendance, and uh, it really has been a paradigm shift in women's sport, these three Women's World Cups, so starting with cricket, now rugby, and then next year, the FIFA Women's World Cup. Yeah. Um, it is just a brilliant lineup, And that's the biggest one, isn't it? The the the. Women's Football World Cup is the biggest. Next year, the opening fixture from Eden Park, our national stadium, 1.8 billion viewers globally. So it's something like three times that of the Men's Rugby World Cup final. Yeah, and particularly the US team, eh? The US team has a huge following. Just such a great result for us with the draw. Um, they have 35,000 fans travelling with them. You mentioned uh, you mentioned about uh, our calendar over the next, really, three to 12 months. Um there's not a vacant opportunity until about March next year. When you look, you go into 660, then Indian cricket fixture, then you go into Billy Joel, then you go into Guns N' Roses, then you go into uh, women's football, uh, the US versus the football ferns, and then into Ed Sheeran, then into Martini, then into Super Rugby and Women's Rugby World Cup, uh, Women's Football World Cup. Um, it is an action-packed calendar of content. Is Ed Sheeran doing two days? He is, yeah. And um, in terms of the 
production. That'll be something that probably will never be seen again in New Zealand. Uh, the size and scale is something that uh, it's worth buying a ticket just to see that. Is he bringing over jet planes full of stuff like the old rock and rollers used to do? It is a challenge getting uh, now with freight costs, uh, yeah. getting uh, production over to Aotearoa. But um, yeah, we've got now that we've, uh, and thank you for your support too, um, concerts uh, 120 years in the making, but um, it was always an argument, why can sports people perform at our national stadium but not musicians? So um, we were delighted to be able to get there. Nothing well, wrong with the arts. Let's go back even further, Nick Sortner, because back in the day, obviously, Eden Park used to be the home of Auckland cricket and Auckland rugby. I think originally it was the home of Auckland cricket, then rugby came on board. There must have been, uh, when I was growing up, there was nothing in Eden Park other than cricket and rugby. Since you've turned up and become the CEO, things have changed quite dramatically. When you first started, can we go back to that moment, was there any pushback to the idea of having other sports or having other types of events at Eden Park? Well, I think part of my, I suppose, competitive advantage has been I did play some sport, then I did a couple of degrees in an MBA. Um, I've had some wonderful mentors over my career, and um, when I was looking at the opportunity at Eden Park versus uh, the New Perth Stadium, a mentor, Peter Coleman, who was the MD of Woodside at the time, he said, um, I don't know why we're having the conversation. I think uh, everyone knows Eden Park globally. If you do a good job there, the world is your oyster. So... I uh, saw a bilingual national anthem, a harker, and I thought this is too good an opportunity. And thankfully, my wife uh, agreed to move. Um, and part of my first 100 days as CEO, we looked at developing a vision, mission, game plan, and strategic priorities. And part of that was to ensure that um, we got greater utilisation. We've got a billion-dollar asset. Uh, we all know that there's um, climate change emergency, and, and we need to sweat existing assets. So it was about seeing... Um, how we could do things differently, um, and that includes even our corporate suites being used as hot desks or offices during the week, uh, and then on vent days being hospitality spaces. So that saw us introduce things like glamping and rooftop tours, but also other codes like um, football and uh, and other hirers that historically wouldn't have looked at Eden Park as um, their home. It's a bit of a mash getting the concerts in there. And did you lose hope? Was there any point you lost hope? Because it felt like the forces sort of um, massed against it for some reason. I can't quite work it out. I mean, I've lived in the area a very long time. I never really ran into anyone in the local area that ever said they didn't want concerts there. So I wasn't never quite sure. I mean, I don't hang out with Helen Clark, so um, she was one of the big ones and there was another guy. But did you, did you lose hope or did you just go, nah, we'll get it, we'll just get it, we'll just keep grinding away at these these punishers? I remember that um, one of the first programs we introduced was the Neighbourhood Supporters Club called The Hood. Yep. Um, within 48 hours, we had 1,400 homes and uh, 12 schools and 250 businesses. So I think what had happened is that there was a real change in the area over a 30-year period. Um, and you had commentators like Mike Hosking talking about um, the negativity of the residents, and I never found that. I'd yeah. do the door knocking, and um, I even did a, a film shoot with Lee Hart at his house, um, and the residents all came out and supported us. So I, I always felt that um, if we were doing something wrong, I'd be worried, but we weren't doing mm. something wrong. This was about doing the right thing. Um, and I remember in an interview I spoke about 125 years ago, women got the, the vote in New Zealand, first country, and everyone was proud. Yet in 2020, musicians couldn't perform in our national stadium, the biggest opportunity for them to perform. So um, 
it went through a process. We have 97% support by the residents and um, we are genuine in our strategic thinking, but we're also authentic that if people have got concerns, we answer their concerns and, and we mitigate those concerns. What were people's concerns? I'm interested in this. Yeah, I, I, I was. in some instances it was quite bizarre because um, the crowd behaviour for someone like Phil Collins versus potentially <laughs> um, some of the events that we've run with you two boys, um, I would suggest uh, would be much better Um the, the inference that someone going to Phil Collins is going to be urinating in someone's garden. Mm. Was that um, a big thing? Was it, was it urinating in people's gardens? It, it, there was conversations along those that line. Um, there was also the conversation about this is a sports venue. And I said, well, like any business, you need to evolve or you'll be extinct. Um, we're sitting here and I'm looking at the Encycl- Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, <laughs> they didn't evolve. And other than on your desk, they're extinct. <laughs> yeah, we've got like a ver- that, that set of Encyclopedia Britannica's that we've got there was probably worth some insane amount of money, thousands of dollars, and now it's just there to cover up the cables on our cameras. But it's interesting, like when you talk about the um, the that I always thought it was odd because at halftime you could have a band wheeled out in the back of a truck to play at halftime, or wheeled out on a trailer and play sort of a piss week version of a concert. But you couldn't have them play their own concert. That was the thing that was so bizarre. You already did have bands playing there, but they only had to be in a way where they were sort of playing second fiddle to sport. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And um, I uh, I get, I mean, I'm sure you guys get the same, you get some unusual emails. But um, after we got consent and we said we announced our first 660 show, I then had a gentleman send me a ticket from the Osbournes at Eden Park on a trailer um, <laughs> from about 30 years ago and said, um, could you please correct your marketing? There's been concerts at Eden Park before and I can show you I attended. I'm thinking, well, for God's sake, why didn't you show me this tw- two, three, four, five years ago? And I could have said, we've already had concerts, so we don't have to go through this process. Yeah, Donnie, Donnie and Marie Osmond there. Yeah. Yeah, with the great teeth. Was part of it as well when you arrived changing people's perceptions about what the stadium not only it had could be, but what it, what it was? Because I think as well that, Going back to stadiums, everybody has a history with them. My history with Eden Park is long. I, I, I first went to Eden Park in the very early 1980s. Quite a different stadium in those days. But I have seminal sporting experiences, live experiences that I can remember. And then obviously going through the 92 World Cup, which was sensational. Again, a different stadium in those days. But it was a place where people could come to, to be entertained and then maybe things sort of lost their way slightly and maybe people forgot about what the stadium was about. Did you have to change perception at all? I do think that that is um, maybe it's something Kiwi because uh, if you went to the MCG uh, and said we're going to knock it over and build a downtown stadium, you'd be run out of town. <laughs> um, yet when you Google some of the world's most famous venues, Eden Park is normally one, two or three. And so we've got this amazing asset um, in our city that should be celebrated. Pre-COVID, we were having a thousand people a week on our tour program. Um, and anyone in England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, they know Eden Park. Uh, I went through Johannesburg Airport, and you write on your little card. I mean, you'd be interested to see what you blokes write on your card, but mine's CEO Eden Park as your occupation. I was ushered through. 
You were treated like royalty. Um, I was in Guernsey, of all places, with my wife and mum, and uh, the guy was actually um, a South African at the cafe, and we got talking, and he said, oh, where are you from? And I said, no, Australia, but now live in New Zealand. And I said, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm CEO of Eden Park. He goes, the coffees are on me. He goes, it's on my bucket list to go. And so in one instance, you look at and say, from a rugby and cricket perspective, um, Sasha Nadella, Microsoft CEO, is in New Zealand for a day. And just humour me by listening to this story. So um, he was at Eden Park and I was in, in, I was given 15 minutes with him and I was walking from one room meeting a politician to another room where he was doing a speaking engagement. So um, he went to the bathroom and they said, okay, now you've got 13 minutes. So I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, he earns 48 million a year. He's added 950 billion to their share price. So I took him down into our ideas factory where the turf boys are and I had uh, Colin Munro and Martin Guptill there and I said, so you grew up in Hyderabad, you wanted to be an Indian cricketer, so um, here's your chance, you can bowl a ball to Martin Gupnall. So Gupnall smacks him, uh, <laughs> what was just brilliant. And anyway, he went rogue. He spent about 40 minutes then with us. Uh, and he was saying, here I am, I grew up in Hyderabad, wanted to be a cricketer, on the satellite I'd watch games from Eden Park. And then we walked out and we were playing our golf tournament. And he said, so Microsoft is a business about innovation and here I am at your national stadium watching golf being played. He said, no one will ever remember it and will believe it. Um, so that was sort of for me is that you can look at people from all around the world. Um, you guys would have been there for the day-night cricket test. Uh, Obama was in Auckland that same day. Um, England, I think, was out for 64 runs. And um, we were eight front pages around the world. Obama didn't make a front page. <laughs> so that's the ability that sport and entertainment provides um, for your country, but also for the, the culture of the society. What's the difference? Say, like, <clears throat> you've got to deal with sporting fixtures. They're coming in, and that's a certain set of um, problems. And, you know, but then there's bands and shows, right? What are the differences, like, in terms of the people you have to deal with and then um, all the bullshit around it? So we've got a lean team. I think when you take out turf facilities and security, about 10 people run Eden Park. In contrast, the venue I ran in Melbourne, we had 150 resources. So uh, we do a, an outstanding job as a team. Um, the diversity of content we have now is a challenge because a lot of the staff haven't had that experience. But what I would say is that the staff, they're just their thinking is around how do we make it work. Um, there's never been resistance to the change that we've been able to implement. Probably our greatest challenge was um, there was an organisation that was encouraging people to run on the field and put them in, um, I think, uh, sort of asylum or something like that. And, and anyway, uh, they ran across the field at a cricket game and then caught their legs on the LED signage. I think it was you boys actually that were encouraging that, <laughs> yes. and my operations manager at the time wanted to ban you. So um, <laughs> thank, I remember this thank, well. <laughs> well. Well, it's not that we encouraged him; we were offering him asylum in the caravan. <laughs> <laughs> but it did give great exposure to our uh, car partner Kia. <laughs> yeah, well, I've said for the longest time, and and now that you're here, you know, it's good to have your ear because, I, in my opinion. People want a streak. Well, I think offer them the, the possibility, give them streaking lanes, keep them off the field, but give them streaking lanes down in front of a down in front of a stand. I mean, when was the last time someone went to an international fixture, saw someone streaking in the nude, and then went home and 
either got upset or complained or something terrible happened to them, and it's it's what the people want. It's as the entertainment that people want. As long as they don't interrupt the game, yeah, that's the only reason people really we complain. want streaking lanes. I I can't sort of condone that behaviour, <laughs> but uh, the dual luck super bash. Perhaps we can get you blokes to demonstrate what you're referring to. Well, that's not my particular jolly running around nude in front of people. That could have been depends what nature's given you. You know what I mean? I think, although you see a lot of people out there that's streaking, you're like I I respect that. If you're running a salted cashew and you're out there on the field, then yeah. I'm like, that is credible. No, that's credibility there. If you're out there showing what you've got, yeah. like you've wanted to get it out, then I'm like, especially these people now, the worst people are the ones running out with a t- filming themselves for TikTok. Oh, but yeah. the other thing is, if you're gonna go out there on the field and you're not gonna be nude, I mean, what are you doing? That's just annoying. You're just disrupting the game. I mean, if you if you're nude. There's a bit of jeopardy involved. You're giving a little piece of yourself. Good on you. There's a bit of shame. But if you, and, and I think that's fantastic, overcoming the odds. But if you are going out there with clothes on, you're just disrupt. You're just a grandstander. Get out. Well, remember Andrew Simons, the, the bump that he gave. Yep. Uh, but also, I mean, we've got to take it seriously that ultimately we are a family-friendly venue. And um, some kids, some adults don't want to see that sort of behaviour. I did actually this morning see um, it reappeared in my Instagram feed and it was uh, someone at Mount Smart and he was in the Warriors jumper and he evaded security, various security and then he did a try and then the security nailed him Mm. and uh, I just looked and I thought, geez, in Australia that would be a litigation um, the, the security would be charged so yeah, it's the balance between the safety of the players etc but he shouldn't have the... been wearing a jersey that was that was the <laughs> mistake there like you, you're on the field there because my opinion if you're going to run across the field you're going to run from one side to the other and you're going to be nude by getting a whole lot of security chasing you around in the middle of the field that's part of the problem I mean if security just let you run straight across <laughs> and I know you're saying that you know some people go along and there's a family Situation. Obviously, you're the CEO. You can't. You can't condone it. But um, I, maybe there's I mean, an opportunity for people, an event. Have these kids not seen a nude person before? I mean, everybody's seen nude adults wandering well, around their household. Surely, we're well, born nude. If they saw your advertisement for the All Whites earlier this year, some would argue that was nude. Um, <laughs> some sort of. Uh, I think your wife's crop top was being used. That um, I was probably more offended by that. Would you look? Would you? Consider flying foxes that go from one end of the stadium, nude flying foxes. Oh, there we go. So you people can just go, the they're above the turf, right. they're coming across. They might mess with the spider cam on the big events. Look, you're renowned for your innovative thinking, Nick. I mean, I think we've got to keep thinking. You've got to keep forging ahead. As I said, there might be an opportunity for a standalone event um, and uh, there'd have to be some age restrictions and perhaps even some size restrictions. Yeah. So if I want to hire out Eden Park, because I've always been interested in how this works, you guys are a business. And so do you charge a fee? Is that the way it works? So the way we structure deals is depending upon um, the nature of that. So whether we expect a 60000 for an edge year and versus perhaps a blues fixture of 20000 Um Ultimately, we are a public good. Um, we get currently no funding from central government or council. Um, but I, I sort of likened it to... Um, my daughters, if they hire a book from the St Hilliers Library and they return it late, um, the 20 cent fine doesn't pay for the building or it doesn't pay the salary or it doesn't pay for the replacement book. So what we actually need is a sustainable model where it has government support and also council support so that then hirers can come in, it's commercially viable for them and we can see greater utilisation. So some deals operate on a percentage plus cost, others will be fixed costs, others will be community rates. So we do events like Eid or Japan Day and it's based on a uh, community good and um, those events are often seeing attendees that haven't historically come to the venue. 
Can the can the rugby union can they just get on the phone and go, we're booking it, or do they have to negotiate like Guns and Roses do? So rugby is a, a little different, and um, we talked about it earlier around uh, cricket's uh, association and rugby's association through Auckland. Um, so there is some historic rights under the trustee that need to be. Um, adhered to, but um, we want to, we are the home of the All Blacks or the spiritual home. I'd love to see it um, All Blacks world. Um, it could be that tourist attraction where you have an All Blacks hotel and an All Blacks leadership academy and a um, a development squad. So it has real merit in actually expanding the brand further than what it is today. Um, we're both strong brands globally and um, working with the likes of New Zealand Rugby uh, to see more content and more opportunities is something that um, I'm very passionate about. Well, it would help if they played a game in 2023. In, at, uh, at Eden well, they're Park. not playing there in 2023. Well, no, so we have, I'm, I'm sure it's difficult for you to comment on this kind of stuff, but for me it's like we, we missed out on those a lot of stuff in Auckland. And 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 so, you know, rugby needs to do something to continue to grow. And and, and there was problems around um, the time games are on in terms of taking kids to the games. And personally, I'd love for games to come back in the afternoon because that's when I used to go and watch rugby in the afternoon. It was fantastic. Lots of sports around the world play rugby in the afternoon, especially winter sports when it's freezing cold at night. But um, to not have an All Blacks game in 2023, it's you just can't lose another year of rugby. You just don't get those fans. Until you've been to a game of rugby and seen the All Blacks live, that's where your passion comes to support them going forward for a whole another year of of kids not going to see rugby with their dad or All Blacks rugby with their dad in Auckland. I think that's a huge loss, huge cock-up. It is a challenge next year, Rugby World Cup year, FIFA Women's World Cup, and we are still trying to work with New Zealand rugby, whether it be on men's or women's content. Put it um, on a Wednesday. I, I, from from my side, if you look in Melbourne, they played a Bleslow Cup on a Thursday. Thursday yeah. Um, and then it actually, the visitation extends out to a five-day stay in Melbourne rather than on a Saturday and a weekend. Um, the great thing is that there's huge opportunity with the park and um, that was part of the reason I took the opportunity and the job um, because we are only scratching the surface as what's possible. You mentioned about the, the whole zip line. Well, we've done our rooftop walk and that is the next iteration. Um, we've set it up in a temporary Capacity, and we had Santa arrive a couple of years ago on the zip line. Um, and I think you need to create experience. Was he in the nude? Uh, he wasn't. Okay. Um, he had a big sack, though. So, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I could provide that on the zip line these days. What about, I know, around a lot of venues, and you've obviously got plans and then short-term plans, medium-term terms, long-term plans for Eden Park, and obviously uh, you've got to find money to do these things. A lot of venues have hotels associated to them or, or suites that are part of of the stadium. Is that something that you've ever looked into? Well, uh, if you look at Kingsland, Kingsland uh, is a dynamic um, area that is only going to continue to grow. Uh, you've got the CRL into Kingsland. If light rail happens, that goes down either Dominion Road or Sandringham. Uh, the irony is that a tram used to actually um, come to Eden Park in the sort of the late 40s, early 50s. I think it ended. Um, so... It will be. We are a central CBD stadium. Um, people sort of look at it and say, oh, we're in the wrong place. But um, if they go to places like um, Wembley or Twickenham or Tottenham, these aren't downtown stadiums. And I, I think you've got this amazing brand. Um, and what we should be doing is actually embracing it, centralising content. I would love to see Warriors content at Eden Park. And I think you'd get greater crowds and actually greater retention of players because... 
Um, who doesn't want to play at Eden Park? Uh, we've got an event next year called Tamatatini, a big cup of Harker festival. When we pitched for that event, it was all around saying, it's not a question of if it should be here, it's a question of why. And uh, that was something that really resonated with the organisers. Once every 20 years, everyone in New Zealand wants to perform on the biggest stage, and that is our national stadium. Yeah, the Warriors being there would be fantastic, and they might be able to recruit some Aussie players as well because I think it's a bit of a problem like um, when they come and play at, at Mount Smart Stadium. It's in a pretty shitty area of town, and they can't go out and, you know, you, you know, like if <laughs> if you were going to be based at Eden Park, it would be a much better sales um, how this, how have the tickets gone when you when you've because Warriors have played there before. So they've got their maximum, their biggest ever crowds have been at the games held at Eden Park, okay. over yeah. thirty thousand, and and even to the point just on that, um, there was a Socceroo uh, that did his debut fixture for the Socceroos against the All Whites that uh, hundred year celebration game. He posted on his Instagram. Um, it made it so much more special being at Eden Park. Yeah. So what were the, what are the barriers to the Warriors playing at Eden Park the whole time? At the moment, they've got a, a bit of a long-term deal with council uh, around that facility. But um, if it's not the Warriors, well, let's get um, the Melbourne Storm or Manly to play a home yeah. away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, Max Sautner, i uh, put you on the spot here. You've been the CEO for quite some time of Eden Park. What is the greatest, since you've been there, the greatest event that Eden Park has held, and when I when I say greatest event, I, I want to I want a, a one-off event. And in terms of the atmosphere, when was the atmosphere the greatest, in your opinion? Because you would have been to all of the events. Tough question. There's been so many highlights. Um, I'm going to go with two. The first is actually 660. Um, so we got consent, and then six weeks later, later we had 50,000 fans uh, with a lead story on the New York Times, Al Jazeera. Um, it was just phenomenal to see 50,000 fans at our national stadium, first concert in history, Kiwi band, Machu's um, family had, had performed as a, uh, a Marty, Marty All Black on Eden Park. So he had his, I think it was his grandfather on the back of his jumper. It was just such a special night. And the rest of the world was locked down wearing masks. So I don't think you can ever forget that evening and, and what that means to the stadium moving forward with um, concerts being secured. On the flip side, there's one that um, really resonated for me was um, Constable Matthew Hunt's funeral. Um, so he was 28. Um, he was murdered in Auckland. Um, it was actually my birthday, the 19th of June. Uh, we reached out to the police and then uh, Matthew's family. We did the blue seat. Um, it's actually near um, Grant Elliott's seat. Um, he was sitting in that seat a few days prior to his murder by with some mates. Um, to have then 50, so what was it? Three and a half thousand police doing a harker on the field. Um, there's only ever been two funerals on Eden Park, Jonah Lomu and Matthew Hunt. And so that seat sits there as a reminder of um, the sacrifice that people make, but also the significance the park plays. So they're just two examples where um, in the five years that I've been CEO that uh, has been very memorable. When um, Guns N' Roses come over, like, how much do you have to change things in terms of security and, I mean, keeping Axel and Slash apart? Are they got dressing rooms at the, either end of the stage? And Is there any any um, logistics around those two? <laughs> I, um, I, a bit of a story. Uh, back in Perth, I was running a venue and it was uh, uh, One Direction. And I think at that stage... Um, they pretty much weren't speaking, and, and then uh, one of them actually left halfway through the show um, and just flew off. And it was, I think, the last time that they ever played. But so, um, 
It'll be interesting. It is funny. It's um, some of the bands will have these amazing writers. We had Mariah Carey um, in Melbourne, and she had dip teak candles and a she special dip dip teak candles, special type of candle um, that had to be in her um, change room area. And uh, so you do get um, interesting requests. From, have you had the writer come through for Guns N' Roses yet? No, I haven't seen it as yet, but okay. uh, I'm sure that um, our, our chefs downstairs do an amazing job. Often they bring in um, additional chefs as well. But um, it is great to see the diversity of content. So um, I do reflect on, um, I think it was about oh, early 90s, they did uh, a show called A Park in Melbourne, and it started 40 degrees and ended in a storm. And it was just a complete debacle. Um, Hundred thousand fans out there, <laughs> and so hopefully we've moved on from that, and uh, we'll be in a situation where, and also the the age of uh, those probably supporting the band have got a bit more mature. I've always thought that um, Eden Park, you know, the outer oval would be good for a beer fest. I think that that area as well could be utilised in, in its own sort of. It's got such a fantastic area out there, a beautiful spot. Um, is, is that being, are you looking at things going in there? The challenge at the moment is we've still got pretty onerous uh, resource consent yeah, right. requirements. And so it should be. It should be opened up. Uh, we're seeing concerts being now in the Domain and various other locations around town. Um, I'd love to see the park having an event every weekend of some yeah. form. And um, as I say, it, it isn't. Uh, the majority of our residents now support the activities. They actually attend. When we put on food truck events, you get a 1,000 families coming along. The kids get the opportunity to have a kick. It's a bit like uh, people buying an area to go along to that school zone. I think people buy in the area to be close to yeah. Eden Park. Of yeah, I love living there. And, uh, you know, since you've taken over, it's there's just stuff going on there all the time. And I think that's... That's awesome for me in that neighbourhood. Been there for a long time. I just love seeing stuff going on. It just makes the neighbourhood more exciting. And that area, especially Morningside and Kingsland, is so, so great now. Um, you know, big fans just opened up on Morningside and uh, that that whole little just street down there. And um, is is it's great. It's great between. It's great when there's an event on. It's even better. It's great when there's not an event on. It's even better when there's an event on. So, well, you think of a farmers market on the outer oval. Every yeah, whether it exactly. be every fortnight, you have a farmers market. It's actually people are looking for things to do and yeah. um, oh, quality if, grass. Yeah, correct. I mean, and ways to connect. You know, humans ways ways for oh, humans to connect. You connect foot to grass. I yeah. mean, it's just such a beautiful combination of Ryan Fiskew going through there, <laughs> and you get that underfoot, and it's just it's a sensation. How about this? And the barefoot, the barefoot bear festival, where you oh. go on and you get you, you get that fescue between you your toes. Like you I'm just getting online to <laughs> Go Daddy and just uh, registering the domain name. Yeah. Barefoot bear festival. I reckon you're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> barefoot bear festival. Yeah. Bloody good. Just get your toes in the grass. Yeah. Next one. Thank you so much for coming on the Matt and Jerry Platinum Series series of interviews. It's been a great pleasure. Absolute pleasure, gents. Thanks for your interest and support.